All right. So this might go two weeks. I have no idea. <laughs> um, last night uh, I was kind of still going over it, and that's just, you know. But I didn't add anything new. I actually took stuff out, but you know, we never know. We never know where it's going to go. Um, but we, we started off uh, theology proper, um, kind of explaining what it is. Uh, theology uh, proper is just a, a fancy way of saying the study of God the Father. Uh, again, it's really difficult to just focus on the Father aspect and, and not the Son and Holy Spirit. Um, but I think um, when we get into this special revelation today, uh, you'll understand um, kind of the, the process here uh, in the revealing. Um, but uh, one thing that uh, I want to share before we get into this is, um, if you remember, you know, the general revelation uh, was just to everybody, okay? Um, it was specific to um, many different uh, people over time. Uh, we started by taking a look at the little gods uh, across numerous nations uh, over centuries of time. Uh, and personally, I felt studying this and understanding it more and more, looking at those little gods and why people created gods, um, and where that influence necessarily could have come from. Uh, obviously, you know, looking at fallen angels, demons, um, Satan, his deceptions, you know, the, the whispers, the lies. Uh, over time, people have uh, created gods, whether it be themselves or, or, you know, the Egyptians with over 1,500. Uh, so we looked at that to kind of understand why people would create gods. Uh, when God himself has revealed himself through nature, uh, through uh, our own uh, conscience, through our own heart, knowing right from wrong. Um, so, you know, Romans says that nobody is without excuse. Uh, so I got this uh, quote here off the Internet, and, and I think it kind of sums it up, that I'm convinced we are naturally created to believe and with fear and respect some type of higher power. Right, um, we believe in something, and whether we place ourselves as that higher power or something else, we we have this fear and respect that we know something's out there. Um, and you know, obviously, like I said, general revelation is what uh, God has revealed uh, to everybody in a whole sense, right? in a broad scope, so to speak. Um, so with the combination of historical religious records and, and other cultural gods, um, I kind of, and, and talking to other people, uh, I believe these little gods to have been influenced by uh, Satan's deception. I mean, he deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Um, and ever since the beginning, he has wanted man to not believe in God, to follow God, to question Right to put themselves in his position, um, and throughout time he's doing everything possible to uh, disrupt that uh, order and draw man away. <clears throat> and uh, Satan's army, evil spirits, demons—you know—whispering these lies. Uh, one verse that uh, I kind of think of is Ephesians six. You know, when it's talking about the army of God, if you turn there, uh, Ephesians. 
chapter 6. Uh, it's a very popular, uh, it's referenced, you know, a lot um, whenever we talk about, um, you know, going through life's struggles, through life's trials that James talks to us about, the testings. Uh, it says we need, even temptation, we need to put on the full armor of God. And right in the beginning of this, um, you know, I want you to actually think about these words. You know, a lot of people, um, some of the concepts of spiritual warfare, people may not uh, understand, but it is happening. <laughs> you know, people say that, you know, the, that sixth sense, that third eye, whatever, um, to see the spiritual realm. Um, we don't see it. Obviously, God could reveal it to us. If he wanted to, he could open our eyes and we could see what's actually going on around us uh, within that spiritual realm. Um, but here in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, the, I, I have a whole lot of words here that start with the letter D. Um, thinking about his schemes. They're to depress, uh, cause doubt, denial, uh, de uh, delay, to divert us, to divide us, to deceive us, uh, to put us into despair, uh, to disgrace, dishonor, discredit. That's the devil's schemes, right? Um, and then this next verse, chapter or, uh, verse 12 in chapter 6, for our struggle, and that word struggle means wrestling, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. And, you know, it, it's one of those, um, what I, what I kind of see it as this is that old cliche of the, the red angel and the, the white angel on your shoulder. You know, you got the whispering lies and deceit, you know, the tempting of let's do this. And then you have, you know, the good angel saying, no, you know, remember God's word. Let's do this. To me, that's almost like, you know, <laughs> what's going on here, right? Uh, and we can kind of go either way. So I think, you know, over time, you know, people with doubt and denial, they've convinced themselves through fear and respect of a higher power to create these, these little gods. Um, and all God wants is our full allegiance. He is the only one that is worthy of it our whole entire self. That's why, you know, we have, uh, you know, the great Shema and then Jesus uh, quotes it again uh, in the New Testament where he says, with your body, mind, soul, and strength, right, we should follow God, right? That's what he calls us to do. And in his general revelation, um, it should seek us to find him. So we should be willing to, to see him. Uh when we cover general revelation, it was the revealing of himself to man through his creation and also through conscience. Right? Um, so it should lead people to God. And we talked about that. Uh, some verses that I'm just going to run down to to save time. So if you want to write these references down, you can. Uh, Psalm 14.2 says, The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there, there are any who understand, who seek after God. Uh, Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Deuteronomy 4, 29, 
If you will seek the Lord your God, you will find him, if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. And then Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Um, you know, Acts, I, I referenced Acts 14, Acts chapter 17, when it talks about, you know, how God, and even in the Psalms, how God provides rain. He provides, you know, the sun coming up. He provides the stars in the sky. All of this is general revelation to draw us to seeking him. And when we seek him, he will reveal himself more and more and more. And revelation is God's free act of revealing himself to us, right? He can reveal as much as he wants. Um, and he can display and reveal his character, nature, and will to mankind. And sometimes we don't understand it, and that's why um, you know, he has to explain it to us. And some things we will not understand on this side of heaven. Um, but general revelation is broad in scope available to mankind as a whole, and everyone can see and understand this kind of revelation, but it's only those who continue to seek after God that more revealing, because, I mean, if they're not willing to seek after him, he can't really reveal himself because they're not willing to find him, okay? So there has to be this drawing to him, right? Um, so special revelation is the appearance or manifestation, right? It's a specific communication um, that God gives at certain times to certain people, okay? Um, so as general revelation is for everyone in the entire world to draw them to him, special revelation is where when people are drawn to him, he continues to give revelation, and that's where specific. So we're going to look at a few areas here. Uh, I don't know if you've ever considered these or not, um, but we have uh, special revelation can be dreams, uh, angels, prophets, theophanies, um, and we're going to look at a, uh, a few of those as well as others. Uh, but theologians have defined special revelation as God's manifestation, an event or action or object that clearly shows or embodies something of himself to a particular person at a definite time and place, enabling those persons to enter into a redemptive relationship with him. Now, when I heard the word redemptive, I'm like, oh, that's, that's Satan, right? But when you look up the word redemptive, it's an act of saving someone from error or evil. So it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be saved, what the special revelation is, is it's saving them from an error or from something evil. It's drawing them closer to him that hopefully, ultimately, they will be saved through that. All right. And the first one is angels. We'll just jump right into the whole angels context here. Uh, so this is our first talking point. And throughout the Old and New Testament, there are many, many accounts uh, that God revealed himself through angels. Um, and it's interesting to, to note that in historical ruins of Egypt, Babylon, and Phoenicia, there are pictures and writings depicting angels. Um, so even other cultures believed in angels, uh, and they have it written down. And these are just three uh, areas in the world where they have 
archaeological discoveries, uh, whether it be artwork or writings uh, depicting this. Um, they have them uh, winged people. Uh, they have them as animals or combinations of the same. Okay? Uh, and angels have been revealed throughout Scripture in three distinct ways. The first is ministers. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 1, the first one we're going to look at is ministers. Angels are ministers. Uh, I'm just going to go through, try to get through these because the others, I, I really want to get to theophanies because they're my favorite. But <laughs> um, Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse 14. <clears throat> this is where, uh, and Pastor Brad already preached on this, so uh, have some good notes here on this, but this is basically to sum up uh, the writer here is trying to show how Jesus is superior to angels, but we also get an idea of what angels do. Okay, And here in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, if you go back to verse 7, uh, it says, In speaking of the angels, he says he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. That's off of Psalm. There's a Psalm that that's uh, quoted from. And the word winds in 7 and the word uh, ministers in 14, um, they're the same thing, almost with the same idea, the same concept, that it invokes the idea that angels are basically waiters or waitresses ministering to the church. Okay? Um, angels serve believers in many different ways. Uh, sometimes they're sent to angel or, or sent by God to answer prayers. Right? In Acts 12, 5 to 7, um, Peter's in, imprisoned and he's praying and God sends an angel to help him um, uh, escape. Uh, sometimes angels are sent to encourage believers, as in Matthew 4, 11, right? Um, we know that through Jesus' temptation, an angel was sent to, to help him and encourage him. Uh, Luke twenty two forty three Acts twenty seven twenty three to twenty four are other passages where angels are sent specifically to encourage believers and help build them up um, through God's word. Uh, so Paul draws upon uh, this uh, even more, uh, and we're not going to talk about this. So if you didn't hit Life Group, we already covered this, so you missed out. Uh, we talked about uh, the headship and. The whole idea of angels watching us and the head coverings of women and everything. And angels in heaven are interested in our worship. They're, uh, you know, interested. They're, they're invoked by it. And the whole idea here is the, the hierarchy of worship. And that's kind of the idea where they're interested in our worship of God and how that all plays out in salvation and everything. So um, they're kind of involved in our worship as well. Uh, and we'll actually be worshiping with them in Revelations. It says that we will be worshiping with them, um, calling out holy, holy, holy. So uh, it's going to be pretty cool that day. Um, but they're involved. So angels are ministers to the church body. They're also protectors. Uh, Psalms 34, 7, protecting David. Uh, 91.11, uh, we have uh, Daniel, when he's in the lion's den, an angel, it says that an angel uh, helps shut the mouth of the lions. Uh, we have uh, Matthew 18.10, 
uh, we, uh, acts again, um, protecting. So angels can also provide uh, protection. Uh, Elisha chapter, uh, I believe it's 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, Elisha and his servant are uh, scared to death that the Armenians are coming after them. And uh, Elisha prays that his servant's eyes could be opened uh, to see the Lord's protection pretty much. And they're opened and then he sees nothing but chariots of fire and angels surrounding. And um, so the Lord had angels around, but they couldn't see them. Right, unless God wanted them to. Uh, and then, of course, uh, others, many, many others for, for protecting. The last is messengers. Angels can be sent as messengers as we have all the prophets, you know, speaking God's word. Uh, many examples there, a specific message to an individual or a group. Uh, sometimes it was a word of encouragement. Other times it was a clear warning to God's people for how they are going against God's instruction um, but to receive a visit, visit from an angel was a very unique experience because not everybody got it. Not everybody saw an angel. Okay? Uh, and as we know, we have Gabriel right, going, and he's probably known as the, the most popular or most famous angel of being a messenger of God. Uh, we have the angel that told uh, Zechariah, the angel that told Mary, the angel that told the shepherds, uh, watching over the sheep. So they were proclaiming and they're giving God's message to somebody at a particular time uh, to do something. So what this gets at is this special revelation of angels, God revealing himself through angels. Uh, we can be sure that he is speaking to us through many different ways, the Bible, sermons, um, and his angels are often involved uh, even though we don't see them. You know, they could be, you know, surrounding, you know, the whole worship that we just don't know. I mean, if God could open our eyes right now, who knows what we would see, right? Um, and it's a kind of a, I don't know. <laughs> I would hate to see like this big battle going on, though it'd be pretty cool. Um, but um, anyway, yeah. So any questions on angels? Uh, I didn't talk about uh uh, what we would call guardian angels, because there's no mention of an actual guardian angel, um, but the protecting angels do protect, right? Um, you know, they can definitely be there to protect us. So I don't know if we necessarily have one specific, like, guardian angel named Bob, you know, protecting me, um, but I believe at, that they're here to help us. Right? You talk about supernatural events where people get superhuman strength to lift a car off of somebody. Well, is an angel helping them? You know, I don't know. I'm not going to discredit that because obviously I'm not going to put God in a box. But if they're surrounding us and they're supposed to minister to us, protect us, and give us messages, you know, why can't they do that as well? So, any thoughts or comments on angels before we move on? Yeah. I'm just curious, do you think we sometimes neglect the broader aspects of angels just because their name means messenger? I think so. Forget they do more than just carry messages? Yeah, I think so, because they also, uh, I didn't touch on this, but they also, um, uh, not exhibit, they, they uh, fulfill God's judgment at times too. You know, God proclaims judgment and he sends the angels to, you know, judge. So yeah, I think we have given them this, like, 
best friend, you know, puppy kind of thing. Where, but in real sense, I mean, they're 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 there for a purpose, you know. So yeah, definitely, definitely opened my eyes on on that. Anything else? All right, prophets and apostles. This one's just very simple. Uh, if you go back to the Hebrews twelve. Uh, I think we're still in Hebrews. I am anyway. Uh, Hebrews 12. I'm sorry. Hebrews 1. Why do I have uh, forgot a colon. Hebrews 12, uh, 1, 1 to 2. Hebrews 12, 1, 1, uh, 1 to 2. So we're like before this. It says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. So what this is saying is, you know, we have the Old Testament, we have the prophets. The prophets are revelations of God's word to people. That's how he revealed himself to people. But now in these last days, the New Testament, when Jesus finally came on the scene and started his ministry, now he is the one who is proclaiming God's word. Right? Um, so, uh, I mean, I really don't have more than that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm really trying to get to the other, other part for Pastor Brad because I know he's going to be leaving, but I want to get to theophanies here. Uh, anything on prophets and apostles? I don't mean to like shortchange these because obviously sharing God's word is extremely important, right? Um, you know, we had uh, after Jesus died and, and rose again and, and basically gave that final charge and ascended and the apostles took over the beginning of the church you know, they kind of helped uh, strengthen, encourage, and comfort the, tr the, the church through God's word, right? They, they got the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit spoke through them to people. We have Peter's sermons. We have Paul's sermons, right? We have James and, and everyone else in Acts and how the church just blossomed through their missionary work. Um, so I don't want to shortchange them, but uh, that is God's revealing. Yes, sir? I'll just add to it's interesting because the prophets and apostles, they receive special revelation through the same way in which we receive special revelation, which is, of course, the Word of God, which is, I'm sure you're going to get to that part. But anyways, I just think it's interesting that the they Bible? have... Yeah, the yeah Bible. that's the last thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You'll sorry. be gone by then. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the next are theophanies, all right? So these are really cool. Does anybody know what a theophany is, by the way? I love this word. It's pretty cool. Anybody know? Except for Pastor Brad. Like an appearance of God? Yep, an appearance of God, but can can you be a little bit more specific? Can you give an example? Well, I, I think of there are Christ theophanies all throughout the Bible. Right. Theophanies of Jesus Christ, even in the Old Testament. Right. So it's any, basically... Um, seeing Christ through uh, a tangible sense or senses. So it could be an angel, a man, or some type of form, right? Uh, some of my favorite, and, and this you'll have to, I, I save time, but I just these are just a few of, of my favorite. That's not a few of my favorite things. These, these are a few of my favorite theophanies. Genesis 32, 24 to 32, Jacob wrestled with a man who was called God, right? Uh, Genesis 18, 1 to 2, the Lord appeared to Abraham before destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Daniel 3, 24 to 26, King Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the furnace. 
But while in the furnace, they were not burned, and the king saw another person. And in his words, it said, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Okay? Judges 6, 11 uh, to 16, the angel of the Lord came and sat down with Gideon. Uh, however, God did not only appear in human or angelic form, he also appeared in other forms. Uh, Exodus 3, 1 to 4, he appeared uh, as a fiery bush when speaking to Moses. Uh, Genesis 15, 17, God appeared to Abraham as a smoking fire pot to confirm the covenant of making his descendants a great nation. Uh, Exodus 13, 21, God was leading Israel through the wilderness, a cloud by day, fire by night. And then, of course, one of, the, uh, one of my favorites, um, I don't even know what this would look like. Exodus 33, 9 talks about how God appeared to Israel as a glory cloud in the tabernacle and then later in the temple, how he came down and filled the temple. Um, so this is his revealing himself in many forms, not just you know, a person or you know, the fiery bush. Um, it's, it's, he can reveal himself however he wants. I mean, after all, he made a donkey talk, right? Um, and that's a fantastic thing that the youth group loved to, to learn about the other, other week. But, um, you know, these are theophanies, how he revealed himself, right? The Son of God, the Son, son of, of God coming down, and even God himself appearing um, to these uh, people. Uh, Jesus is the ultimate theophany. Um, he is... Uh, the ultimate special revelation. He is the Son coming to earth in human form. Um, he is God's character traits, everything all in one, but yet man. Um, he is the best revelation of himself because he is himself, right? Uh, which I'm finally glad I can talk about Jesus here because um, Jesus is his, the best uh, special revelation that God has given us um, to draw us to him. Right, and his message is what he came to earth for, and that is to ultimately go to the cross for us and to save us. Um, so it's pretty pretty powerful. Uh, we see uh, God through uh, this very person. Colossians one fifteen reads, "He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation." Again, back in Hebrews uh, one to three, uh, it reads. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So Jesus is, it, is God in his exact being. Okay? Um, and that is just, just powerful. Uh, we see it through his person. We see it through uh, his service. Right? He humbled himself, becoming a servant, uh, going to the cross, dying for us. That was his obedient service. So we see how God revealed himself in that way. And we also see uh, Revelation through his prayer, how, how he prays. And if Jesus is praying for people, then that means God is praying for his people. I mean, that right there alone just blew my mind when I studied this recently, that God's actually praying for us. He is, he's concerned about us. He's not you know, just sitting up there, you know, wondering what's going on. He is actively involved with us and our lives. And he's revealing himself to us. All we have to do is seek him. And that's where the relationship grows. Okay. And then uh, finally, Jesus is revealed as the only way to God. 
through true salvation. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. Um, so um, here we have uh, Jesus demonstrating God's love for man, even though we're sinners, went to the cross and died for us, teaching us that through his love and by faith, we believe on this person, right, this, this Jesus, um, his death, burial, and resurrection, and take him as Lord of our lives, that is the ultimate uh, plan of his revealing himself to us through general revelation and then special revelation. Okay. And of course, we got the Bible as Pastor Brad just left. Uh, we have the Bible as the last thing. Uh, this is God's written word, and I think there's only one thing because I do want to, I have one more little thing I want to do before we go. Where, where is it at? Um, yeah, right here. Uh, so, in fact, God began writing the Bible himself. Now, I didn't realize this until I actually studied this, but do you know God actually started writing the Bible himself? Right? He wrote the Ten Commandments, and it says, When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone, inscribed by the finger of God. Joshua continued what Moses had begun. In Joshua 24, 26, it reads, and Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And we see the same thing with Jeremiah, Isaiah, Habakkuk, and the rest of the prophets throughout the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have the same process, except the work of the Holy Spirit is more emphasized. Scripture is powerful, Scripture is sufficient, and all those who wrote the Scripture did so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we might have available a precise written revelation which we believe tells us all God wants us to know about him and his purpose. So this in itself is God's revelation. We can see God through his word, right? His living word. And we can he can reveal himself through his word. But we got to be in his word in order to be able to see that. So it goes back to that whole thing which you know, the more you seek after him, the more is revealed. It's kind of like the concept of the deeper I study, the deeper I go, right? Um, I could easily just scratch the surface and that would be it, right? Um, and there's times in my life where that happens. You know, I get in a stale uh, situation um, and then I need smacked upside the head by the people who hold me accountable and it gets me back on track. And, uh, but... But this is how we can be, uh, you see, uh, revealing. So, I threw, flew that, I, I flew through that very quickly to get to this last part, okay? Because I'm going to give you an example, and I want you to think about this. Uh, but here is one encouraging application I think we can take from the various methods of special revelation. So, i, I got to read this. Is that God speaks and sometimes ministers to people differently. Some people may have a very charismatic experience where God speaks to them through dreams, visions, an audible voice, but to others, God speaks primarily through less dramatic ways, such as just his sovereignty over circumstances, a strong impression, or studying and researching scripture. So God can reveal himself in special ways to you differently than me. Right? He can reveal himself differently to other people in other parts of the world. 
But what you always have to double check is when people say certain things, you have to compare it to Scripture. Is it scripturally sound? And I say that to get into some examples where um, we had a, a gentleman during Missionary Week come and he said, you know, I have no, no doubt that, you know, Middle East, uh, even Maria Gusmao has said uh, people have visions, right? There's demons, there's spirits that are involved in those areas. And I can't discredit that. However, you have to be careful because with them sharing their testimony of seeing these figures, it should point to Jesus. It should be scripturally based. If it doesn't point to Jesus, um, then you know you got to kind of wonder what they're talking about, okay? Um, and Pastor Brad, I, I asked him, and one of the guys that came during the missionary week made the comment that if a Middle Eastern um, uh, doesn't have a vision, uh, 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 did he say Muslim or, or whatever their religion is, if they don't see or have a vision, then they're not saved. I think that's what it was. And I'm like, that's wrong. <laughs> you know, they don't have to see. Like those people, if, if I would, if, if a Muslim was in their room and they saw a vision of Jesus and, and they broke down and they accepted Jesus as their Savior and they went out and told their family and friends, I mean, they might be martyred, um, but if they shared that and the family got saved, then I, I think that, that they're saved. They don't have to have a vision of themselves. And I, I think you got to be careful, careful with that. So, um, but anyway, I want to get to this last thing. Okay. Uh, I have, I, I've been, uh, I was going to read this through my, um, phone, but it's too small. So just bear with me. I'm a fast reader. Okay. Uh, all my talking about prayer, uh, this is uh, Freshman Fresh Fire, it's uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, I really recommend reading this book. Um, if you haven't, it's huge on prayer. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I'll try to read this quickly here. All my talking about prayer faced a severe test several years ago when Carol and I went through the darkest two and a half year tunnel we could imagine. Our oldest daughter, Chrissy, had been a model child growing up, but around age 16, she started to stray. I admit I was slow to notice this. I was too occupied with the church, starting new branch congregations, overseeing projects, and all the rest that ministry entails. Meanwhile, Chrissy not only drew far away from us, but also God. In time, she even left our home. There were many nights when we had no idea where she was. As the situation grew more serious, I tried everything. I begged, I pleaded, I scolded, I argued. I tried to control her with money. Looking back, I recognized the foolishness of my actions. Nothing worked. She was just hardened more and more. Her boyfriend was everything we did not want for our child. Now there's a, a situation where Carol, uh, the pastor's wife who leads the Brooklyn Ca uh, Tabernacle Choir, um, she's all entranced in, in, in that and she had a health concern. And going through that, uh, she had this, this moment where these thoughts came into her mind. Uh, um, uh, uh, the devil took the opportunity to come after me saying you might have this big choir and you might be making albums and doing outreaches at Radio City Music Hall and all the rest. Fine. You and your husband can go and reach the world for Christ, but I'm going to have your children. I've already got the first one and I'm coming for the next two. In this moment, Carol, who leads the Tabernacle Choir, wrote the lyrics, in my moments of fear, through every pain, every tear, 
there's a God who's been faithful to me. When my strength was all gone, when my heart had no song, still in love, he's proved faithful to me. Every word he's promised is true. What I thought was impossible, I see my God do. Uh, so there's this big uh, uh, showdown here. Um, and Pastor Simbola and his wife Carol decided, you know what, we're just going to stop talking to people. Uh, we're going to stop contact with, with Chrissy uh, until God acts. Um, we're just going to pray. That's what our whole ministry was. And if you read the beginning, you'll understand it was like a few people, and now it's like, I think, 3,500. Um, uh, but anyway, they began to pray in intense. And uh, February came on a cold Tuesday night during prayer meeting, talking about Acts 4 and the church boldly calling on God in the face of persecution. We entered into a time of prayer, uh, everyone reaching out to the Lord simultaneously. As an usher handed me a note, a young woman who I felt be spiritually sensitive had written, Pastor Simbola, I feel impressed that we should stop the meeting and all pray for your daughter. Now, I had the opportunity to go to the Brooklyn Tabernacle prayer meeting uh, when I went on a missions trip with LBC uh, when I was there back in 1999. And I'll tell you what, it was something, I was spiritually drained afterwards. I mean, I was literally, it was two and a half, three hours we were there praying. They had popcorn buckets that you get, the big giant things with just prayer requests all, I don't, just up and down the aisles and you took as many as you wanted to pray for. And this next, uh, next uh, description is exactly how it is even today. In a few minutes, I picked up a microphone, told the congreg congregation what happened, explaining the entire situation involving Chrissy. And the next thing I know, I can't describe it other than this. The church turned into a labor room. There arose groaning, a sense of desperate determination as if to say, Satan, you will not have this girl. Take your hands off her. She's coming back. I was overwhelmed. The force of the vast throng calling on God all at once almost literally knocked me over. When I got home, I sat down with Carol, who was waiting up for me, and over coffee, we talked, to, and I said, it's over. She said, what's over? And she wondered, it's over with Chrissy. You would have had to be in prayer meeting tonight. I tell you, if there's a God in heaven... The whole nightmare is finally over. And then he described what took place. So that's his account. Okay, And there's more that I, I, I'll get back to. But then Chrissy, the daughter, writes in her uh, account in her book, It was on a Tuesday night in February when I heard Lorna, one of Chrissy's uh, closest friends, coming down the hall as I was rinsing shampoo out of Susie's hair, her daughter. Um, she uh, poked her head into the room. I'm heading to prayer meeting now. After Lorna left, the house felt so painfully empty that a gloom came over me. An oppressive sadness seemed to slow my steps and weigh, weigh me down. I sat on the couch staring at the empty chairs around the room. A suffocating loneliness suddenly gripped me and I began to feel afraid. I laid the baby down and turned every light on in the house. The only thing I could do after a period of time was put the baby and myself to bed. As I lay there in the stillness of the night trying to fall asleep, I wish I could escape from all this tormenting emotion that I was drowning in. I didn't want to think, feel, or live anymore. Closing my eyes, I started to let out a tearless cry when suddenly I felt strange in the room. The atmosphere had changed. I opened my eyes slowly, not sure of what was going on, when I saw it at the foot of my bed, a pitch black shadowy form. Even though I couldn't clearly make out a face, it felt nasty and looked menacing. I was arrested by what I was seeing, strangely unafraid, an observer who just kept watching. 
As real as that gruesome figure was, another one appeared. A cloud-like form, just as visible, but this one was full of beautiful, bright light. It was though I had become part of a crazy dream, yet I knew I was not sleeping. I was very much awake. All at once, the silence of the room was shattered when the repulsive figure started speaking to the luminous figure in a mocking voice. I have her life, it said, pointing to me. Its next words were chilling. And now she's mine too. The shadowy form appeared to move slowly toward the baby's crib. My heart was jolted and forcefully seized by a strong instinct to protect my baby from the shadowy figure. But I couldn't move. In an instant, the darkness disappeared and the light faded away. Then a most unexpected sensation came over my entire being. Peace, sweet peace, rested on me like a blanket and I fell asleep. The next morning at breakfast, Lorna and Chrissy met up. Uh, Chrissy asked Lorna to pray, which she'd never asked before. And after praying, Lorna had tears running down her face. Lorna said, this, I, I mean, you wanting to pray was because of last night. Chrissy is thinking, how does she know what happened in my room with the figures? However, Lorna was not talking about what Chrissy experienced, but what she had experienced in the prayer meeting. They each shared their own experiences. And then lastly... We go back to his account. 32 hours later, on Thursday morning, as I was shaving, Carol suddenly burst through the door, her eyes wide. Go downstairs, she blurted. Chrissy's here. So he goes down. Uh, Chrissy, she grabbed my pant leg and began pouring out her anguish. Daddy, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you and Mommy. Please forgive me. Um, and then... Uh, and... Um, I didn't say anything, so she continued. In the middle of the night, God woke me and showed me I was heading toward this abyss. There was no bottom to it. It scared me to death. I was so frightened. I realized how hard I'd been, how wrong, and how rebellious. But at the same time, it was like God wrapped uh, his arms around me and held me tight. He kept me from sliding any further as he said, I still love you. Daddy, tell me the truth. Who was praying for me Tuesday night? So this experience that this particular group went through um, points to Jesus. You know, it, it points to prayer, the power of prayer and calling upon God. And you'll read her book. She is searching after stuff. She is constantly seeking, remembering what her dad said as a pastor in God's words. And she is longing after something. And obviously through prayer, you know, and her seeking um, the combination, um, you know, we have this wonderful testimony where now um, she has a huge ministry part. She actually leads with her husband. I think they're the ones that are in charge of the prayer meeting. Um, they took it over, if I'm correct. But um, it, it's the two shadowy figures. The whole point is two shadowy figures, right? Like, I can't discredit that. That's them. If God reveals to you, it, it's just, it's scriptural. It points to Jesus, <laughs> you know. Um, I can't say that things like that don't happen, right? Um, you might know or have read or heard of stories. Um, just be cautious, be careful. Um, but like I said, God can, God can provide a special revelation to anybody at any point, at any time, however he chooses. So uh, hopefully you kind of understand general revelation, broad scope, special revelation, more uh, intimate, more personal, um, whether it be a person or a group. But it ultimately always ends up with Jesus. <laughs> so.
Any questions or thoughts? All right. Next time, we're just going to, uh, it's one of my favorite studies, if not my favorite. We're going to cover the characteristics of God, which we're going to look at some names of God. Uh, so we'll cover that. Uh, and then we will end with the Trinity. So I'll spend a day covering the Trinity. So two more weeks, and then uh, we'll be moving on, if you can bear with me.